Welcome to Thomasville Insights with the City of Thomasville. On the podcast, we'll talk to experts on everything from Thomasville history and events to daily operations and city business, all while having some fun in the process. We're your hosts, Christy Owens and Ashlyn Johnson. Welcome to this edition of Thomasville Insights with the City of Thomasville. I have Ashlyn Johnson joining me again this morning, helping with hosting duties. Good morning, Ashlyn. Good morning, Christy. We have, I think, a pretty informative topic that we'll be discussing this morning with everyone, talking about storm preparations and how the City of Thomasville sort of manages that process um, anytime that we're faced with any type of weather disaster. So why don't you tell us who's joining us to kind of talk about this subject with us today? Yes. So this morning we have Cheryl Seeley. She's the assistant city manager here for the city of Thomasville. Um, Cheryl, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to to be here. Tell us a little bit um, about how long you've worked for the city and then the different roles that you've had. So, uh, you know, most people are really surprised to know that, you know, I first started with the city way back when I was in high school. So I was I was a part timer. um, And then after I graduated, I started full time while I completed my college education and then worked for about another 10 years before I left and came back. So all told, I'm about 25 years. Um, I've had roles in uh, human resources, marketing and communications, um, and now, you know, assistant city manager where I get to, to have my hands in lots of things. So you're like an old timer with us, I guess. <laughs> yes, a, an old new timer. <laughs> old new timer. <laughs> let's, let's say seasoned. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about storm prep and just sort of educating maybe the community about how that process is handled with the city of Thomasville. And I know a lot goes into that. We actually sort of dodged a bullet, I guess, recently with Hurricane Ian, and we're lucky that um, that did not affect our community like we were expecting it to. Um, Certainly hate that it did affect other parts um, of Florida, especially in some other areas around us. But but that was one storm that we looked out on and, and was you know, sort of headed our way and then sort of changed the path. So anytime um, there is a weather um, situation that that we may be involved with, I know there's a process that we have in place Mm -hmm. and some different steps that we follow. And I know that Thomas County sort of takes the lead, I guess, on establishing that um, emergency operations center and sort of informing people, you know, and and getting people together. So maybe start off by just kind of telling us what happens when we think something, some type of weather situation is coming our way? How do, how do things get kicked into gear and how does that process start? So, you know, much like everyone else, our preparation really starts when when you're watching the news and you see some some blip on the radar out there where, um, you know, local news crews say you, you need to be watching this. So we, we pay attention. Um, of course, like you said, the Thomas County Emergency Operations Center, they pretty much take the lead in sending out weather briefings from the National Weather weather service when there is the potential for weather to impact us. So we, we all pay attention to that in every level of our organization. So in the case of a storm like Ian, when that one started popping up, it was about a week before it was on the radar of everyone locally that we were truly watching that. So, you know, the weekend before Ian um, actually made landfall is when it really looked like this area was going to take 
you know, could, could possibly take a direct hit. So that's when um, we really kind of cranked it up into what I would say the second phase, which is, you know, phase one is really just watching and monitoring. Phase two is when you need to actively start preparing. And for our organization, you know, one of the key things that we do is we look at our marketing and communications efforts. So, you know, as you all are both very familiar with, you know, that involves the work of, um, you know, everything from social media to press releases, just, you know, whatever we can do to help our community be prepared. And um, that comes from a standpoint of, you know, for their utility outages and also just keeping themselves safe. Um, that's that's very key. Uh, we also look at how we are prepared throughout the organization by, you know, testing equipment, everything from chainsaws to generators to make sure that we have everything we need to execute a response to our community when we when we have that kind of a situation. So, um, you know, we're, we're testing, we're looking at our staffing, we're looking at scheduling. We also look at, uh, do we have enough food on hand to feed our crews? So that's something that's probably a little unique that most people aren't aware of, but whenever we have, for instance, line crews and public works crews that are working around the clock for a week straight, you know, they got to eat. So we try to make sure we take care of those crews and, you know, other staff members will actually prepare food and, and, you know, we provide hot meals, three meals a day to those crews, take them out to them in the field so that we can keep our responses as, as dedicated as it is. So, you know, so much, there's really such a Team Thomasville response behind this from beginning to end. And it's even, um, I mean, bringing all the staff together, it's even down to little details, um, like us being a part of MEAG and ECG, of yes. having other cities, right. you know, That's one of on the standby. first calls that we make is, um, and usually ECG, is, which is Electric Cities of Georgia, of which we're a member, and MEAG, the Municipal Electric Authority of Georgia, they are pretty good at when they see a community that they think might be impacted, they'll put out the call to see who's available to help. So in the, in the case of Ian, we already had some sister cities lined up to send crews. So that's a, just another aspect we have to look at is how do we house them? So, you know, in this last case, we already had hotel reservations made for those crews but you know in the case of Michael for instance that got a little hairy for us because there were not any hotel rooms available so in that case we worked with um, Southwestern State Hospital and we actually got that staffed and ready for those crews that came and helped at that point in time so there's there's quite an effort that goes into that and, and in return our crews have also often gone out and helped answer that call in other communities as well so it's really something that you know you receive and you also give back in. So as um, you mentioned monitoring and, and having meetings and, um, you know, basically checking forecasts and sort of seeing what's what could potentially happen to our area. So so if, let's say, Ian did come our way, mm-hmm. when that is, is headed toward us, when you're, when you're going, I guess, moving into the second phase of, of kicking your plan into action, what would happen next? How do we man? I know that there's different staff members that we have that go and actually man the emergency operations center are there, you know, 24-7. But how does that next phase get kicked into gear? So I would say that's, let's let's call that one the third phase, for lack of a better way of putting it. But that's when the um, the EOC is actually activated. And, and um, 
the EMA, they are the ones responsible for saying, okay, we are opening the emergency operations center. Who's going to be in here? So typically what you'll find is, and this is what's really cool for our community because it's definitely a partnership between the city and county. You will see city fire, county fire, um, EMS, city police, sheriff's department, public works from both agencies all in this room together. And it's, um, you know, basically you have tables with phones, they have their laptops. And when a storm is active and, and, it's, and it's housed, they are monitoring the community. So they're, they're receiving those calls that say there's a tree down on, say, Glenwood Drive, so that we can immediately get that information to utilities crews, public works crews, and make sure that we've got a coordinated response. We also have um, GIS in there so they can update maps so that we can make sure that we have um, all of these, these things accounted for because what other people don't realize sometimes is you'll get multiple calls about the same tree that's down. Someone may say it's at Glenwood Drive. Someone else may say it's at the corner of Glenwood and, and Jackson Street. Someone else may give a specific address, but they're all pointing to the same the same tree. So that's what's important about having that GIS mapping so that we can make sure we have that. We also have communications in there, and a lot of people are probably surprised to know that, but um, staff from marketing will sit in there so that we can make sure we're doing our part to keep the, the community informed about what's going on. Um, I have sat in on that many times. I have spent overnights in the <laughs> EOC. It's um, not as exciting as you think sometimes. <laughs> it can be a little tiring. You know, a fun fact, um, you know, many people know that my husband was a firefighter, you know, spent 30 years. And um, my first storm that I had to spend overnight monitoring a hurricane, he was at home. And I thought, <laughs> hang on a minute, I'm from the marketing world and I'm working you know, 24 hours and you're at home, you know, it just ended up to where he was not on duty for that shift, but he, he did his time later. <laughs> and I know too, you know, there, when I guess that eye of the storm is getting close and possibly, you know, headed um, right for us. I know a lot of people don't realize, you know, we, we don't send crews out if the winds, I guess, are 40 miles per hour or, or higher. Correct. I mean, we, we're keeping people safe until it is safe yes, for them to yes. get out and actually work in the field. So when you think about um, winds that can get up around, say, 40, 45 miles per hour, that's, that's I think that's tropical storm strength. I'm not have to check me on that but if you think about putting a bucket truck up in the air that's not safe for that worker um, fire trucks are very very big and large and they can be susceptible to, to wind sometimes so they it's not safe for them to go out so um, that's one thing that is happening in the EOC is you're monitoring those wind conditions so that you can make sure that you're making a good call on when crews can go in and when they won't so Michael for instance you know we had to make a call that you know we're pulling the crews in and and you know we'll have to stop any response because you do try to stay ahead of it as much as you can and help people where you can. Um, EMS is another area that they sometimes have to limit their calls because it's not safe, although, you know, I believe they try to do as much as they can. Um, it's, it's really for the safety of, of those first responders. Yeah. And I know that once the community um, starts to see our alerts that we put out and the communication efforts from the city, um, there's a lot of stocking up and um, sometimes panic that occurs mm -hmm. just, you know, trying <laughs> to get ready for a storm. Um, so something that we see a lot of is people stocking up on like cases and cases of water, which if you're on a well system, 
you yes, know, genuinely if makes if sense. If you're on a well, yes, you definitely need to be prepared. Um, you need to have that fresh water. You need to fill your bathtub full so that you have that to, you know, flush and things like that. But um, if you are a city water customer, you do not need to buy the, the bottled water if, because even if your power is, is not on, your water will be working. So, um, you know, if you're a city utilities customer, save that water for your friends that are on a well. You do not need it. And what are, you know, I know you mentioned that we do um, use our marketing department to sort of educate the community and, and let them know what's going on. And there's a lot of preparations we try to let the community know about and things that they can be doing at home, getting ready for the potential um, storm that may be coming our way. You know, securing items that you might mm -hmm. have outside. What are some other things that we normally try to encourage them to do ahead of time? Well, the first thing you need to do is to look around your home and look at things like um, flower pots and lawn furniture, your patio furniture, things like that. So that's that's the first thing you need to do is secure all of that. Um, you need to be looking, if you, if you live within the city and you have, um, you know, storm gutters around your home, look at that to make sure that they're not clogged. You know, true story, we had an area that had flooded once um, during a storm, and when they got in there to, to do the, the damage assessment, they found that someone's flower pot had actually floated down and blocked that storm grate. So um, make sure you're doing your part to alleviate some of that. Um, if you have a gutter or a storm drain near you, you know, and you see that it's got lots of um, debris around it, take your rake while you're out preparing your lawn and your yard and just rake that loose because that can be something that can cause a lot of trouble later as well. Um, Low-hanging limbs, that's something that you can take care of just in your normal um, lawn maintenance around your home that can sometimes help you when it's time for a storm. But the, the, the first thing you can do is really look around your home. If you're going to have a generator, make sure that you have that properly installed because if you don't do that correctly, that can feed back into the electric system and that can harm our utility crews. So make sure that you have things like that under control and that you know what you're doing. And all of this is really important just because um, as we all kind of take a sigh of relief just from Ian, we're still in hurricane season until November 30th. Yes, there's um, something out so there they're got, watching right yeah. now yeah, um, that, you know, we, we have to keep our eyes on. And a lot of people are really surprised to know that for us, our severe weather um, season is really January and February. That's when we have the potential for tornadic, tornadic activity. So um, it's important. All of this stuff applies even when you see these types of um, pop-up storms that come. And I know, I guess, actually, once, if there was a chance that a storm did come through our area, um, the cleanup process after the fact is, is usually can sometimes be very lengthy. I know with Michael, I guess that was 2018, um, and that was, I guess, downgraded to a tropical storm by the time it came through our area, but I know there was a lot of cleanup that went into effect after right. that. Do you have a time frame or many people probably don't realize how much cleanup is still going on for weeks after? And we try to tell people be prepared for a week or three days or whatever to not have utilities or to not have your electric service. And what we have found is that people are very, very patient for about 48 hours. And after that, <laughs> the patience wears out. So um, just keep in mind that, you know, our community is beautiful because we have so many trees. But those trees are exactly what can cause us problems when we have um, storms that, that come through. Through. Those trees fall down. That's a lot of cleanup. Um, you, you have to get those trees up before you can start untangling those wires sometimes. 
Um, when we start doing restorations, we usually have a priority in that we try to make sure the hospital area is cleared first. That means the trees are out of the road, the electric service is restored, and that the hospital is back up, and that's public safety. You know, we need to make sure that if there are injuries, if there are accidents, people have a clear path to get to the hospital, and that the hospital does have um, reliable power so that they can serve and they can take care of people. The next thing we look at, we look at um, areas with like grocery stores and things like that, because if people don't have power they need a way that they can get food and water and things like that so we try to make sure those um, commerce areas are installed then we start looking at where can where do you have the the damage that you can do the this is going to sound funny but what's going to take the least amount of time to fix to yield the biggest reward so you know example if you have an area where there's an outage and it's going to take approximately two hours to bring that to restoration but you're going to restore a hundred people versus an area that's going to take maybe three hours and you're going to get 20 people restored you're going to use that two hours to get those 100 people restored so um, you know there's some prioritization that happens there um, when you have substations that are that are impacted that can be a bigger um, you know time frame as far as getting someone restored so there really is a science and a method to the madness in getting restorations it's not that we don't care about certain areas it's that maybe your area had um, suffered more significant damage um, we also need people to be mindful of the fact that if it's from the pole to your home then that's something that you have to you have to address that's not something that we can address so knowing these things are, are very very helpful and we do have information on our website thomasville.org that um, kind of educates people about the the order of restoration and then the things that you can do to make sure that you you've you've done what you need to do for damage on your property before our crews get there well, thank you so much. Lots of useful information that, you know, we hope we don't ever have to use, but we, we want everyone to be prepared in the case that you do have to. Um, and we do have a storm come through. Um, so thank you so much, Cheryl, thank for being on for the show. Me. We've enjoyed it. Yes, it was fun. Thank you. And just have a couple of announcements to let everyone know what some things that we have coming up. We actually have um, the city of Thomasville is hosting a career fair. That will be on October 25th at the Thomas County Library. I believe that's from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, so we're excited. That's probably, I think, from what I can remember, that may this may be one of the first career fairs that we've ever offered I for the community. So um, put that on your calendar if, if you know someone or if you're looking for um, a position. We have a lot of openings right now with the city, and we'd love to have um, new people um, join us. And we also, the Thomasville Fire Rescue is currently celebrating um, Fire Prevention Week. Actually, they're celebrating um, different things all month long, and one of the things they're hosting is a calendar artwork contest. So if you visit thomasville.org, you can find details on that and have your children submit artwork that will possibly be selected for a calendar that they're using as a fundraiser this year. So lots of things happening throughout the month of October, and we hope you get involved in everything the city has going on. Yes, and thank you everyone for tuning in. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening apps. You can keep up with all the latest episodes. You've been listening to Thomasville Insights with the City of Thomasville. The show is produced by Christy Owens. The editor and sound technician is Austin Reams. The show's music is by Pond5.com and Envato Elements. To learn more about the city of Thomasville, visit thomasville.org or follow us on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening app so you won't miss an episode. Thank you for listening.